I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 405. And it's going to be a special one. All right. Uh, We are, if you are uh, here live on Tuesday night, we are getting things started a few minutes late. We've been working on some technical difficulties, and we think we finally concluded that it sounds like our first guest, who we're going to have in just a few moments, sounds as if there is some uh, pretty nasty storming going on, and it is directly affecting his internet signal and capabilities. So we apologize for the delay. And if you're here for the audio version, well, you're right on time because <laughs> you don't even know what's happening. But uh, yes, so Johnny V and myself are in studio. And uh, without further ado, because we're already getting at it, we're going to have two guests on tonight. And this is the first of the two. And we're going to bring into the show via just audio. We've got one David Wiggins Jr. David, how you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, everybody. I'm doing pretty good. Um, Aside from these technical difficulties, I think part of the reason is I'm actually out here on a boat at the marina right now. But uh, we had a storm roll over. So other than that, I'm doing pretty good. All right. So you're on a boat. And well, first of all, we got to go a little bit back to some of the basics, which is there's people out there, plenty of them, understandably, who may not even know necessarily who you are or uh, the legacy that you're already bringing to the very young uh, career and and age that you have. Uh, back us up just a little bit for some of our newer viewers or listeners as to your background in disc golf. Absolutely, yeah. So I've been playing disc golf since I was uh, a little kid. Started at the age of four years old. Um, played juniors extensively. Pretty much played every day of my life as a kid until I went to college. Um, started playing the world championships, junior world championships when I was nine years old and started setting distance records when I was nine years old in the age protected divisions. And when you say setting distance records, 
again, the, the technology, the age, the, the youth of our overall sport, and and everywhere we're going in disc golf has certainly gotten younger but you were you were legitimately a trendsetter and continually crushing record after record year after year how how many total distance records do you have that that you know of or that you can remember well i've set i've set all the um age protected ones from 9 years up until the open world record and um, several of those have been broken since. I I can't remember every single one that's been broken right now. But the uh, overall open world record I still hold at eleven hundred eight feet. Yeah, and that uh, I feel like was a podcast in its own back in the day, and <laughs> and a, just an entirely oh, yeah. different world for sure. But eleven hundred eight feet. Uh, so some people who may now. I'll say, and again, this is no slight to you, of course, because you've stepped away from the game for a few years, but some people might be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen his name on like a few discs. Well, this is exactly why, uh, because of all these distance records and, and the success that you've had. Explain to everybody what that's like going to a scenario where you're playing or, or you're competing at the Big D in the desert. What, what was that experience like for you? Like growing up? being successful um, as far as well yeah let's start there out. yeah let's start there and then i want you to talk about the actual uh the the actual event uh when you set that crazy record oh okay yeah you cut out on me there for a second so um yeah the actual event the day that i set the world record it was a uh it was a pretty unique special day um the conditions were i mean unreal it was very windy that day I, I will say but that being said that makes it extremely difficult to throw um any disc with control let alone a hundred percent as hard as you can throw it and still hit the right line that you need to hit and um that day um i i think it was my second set of throws i connected with um i can't remember which number throw it was but it came out of my hand and everybody just stood back and watched it fly. And it was, it was incredible. It, people described it as like a grain of salt falling out of the sky at the end. It just went so freaking far. It was unbelievable. It it hit the line perfectly. I caught the wind perfectly and I threw it as hard as I could. And it's something that I'd been training for my whole life up until that point to, uh, to do. And I had set the record at, at age 16 at 836 feet and Simon Lazat later broke that at 864 feet. But this is a day that is going to be hard to recreate or surpass, I think, as far as distance records go. But it was, it was a really, really crazy experience, especially when they walked up to the line with the range finder and read off that absurd number. And do you, I mean, this maybe is a dumb question. You still have the disc, right? It's, it's in your oh, yeah. possession. Yeah, so um, growing up, my dad was the one that got me out there in the field throwing distance, and he helped train me and everything, throwing the records, and we would do it every winter, kind of in the tournament off season. We'd go hit this sports complex near my house, and every year that I attempted to set the record, he'd save the disc that I set the record with, and he's got them all lined up on a wall in uh, in his home, so it's pretty cool. I, I would have to think, whether it's the likes of Innova or the PDGA or maybe some, you know, 
Private collector? Wi- yeah, wild collector. Um, y- you know, have people come after you trying to get their hands on those discs? Or made has anyone made any absurd or or very viable offers on any of those discs, especially the last one? Actually, no. But but one year I had a a set of throws that I set the record that I didn't know which disc it was. It was one of five, <laughs> and I got rid of a few of those. Um. So I, I really wasn't sure exactly which disc it was. They were identical bosses. <laughs> so somebody might be floating around with the actual one, but they've got a few doppelgangers around as well. Uh, and, you know, we we made a joke. It was uh, almost a year ago now. There was a, a conversation with James Conrad about, you know, the holy shot and, and what it might take for him to come off of that disc uh, that he, of course, threw in at the World Championships. And yours to you, I'm sure, carries just as much significance. It may not in the grand scheme of all of disc golf, or maybe it does, but um, what would be a number you'd entertain? I know we're kind of getting in the weeds of of what ifs, but like, what would be a number you'd entertain? I don't think I could step away from that disc. Uh, I mean, that's that's such a, a big milestone and accomplishment. I don't think I'd ever get rid of it. And it, it just goes, it's, it's, it's my dad's too, you know, I mean, he was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have set that record without him. So having those all together and the memories from those discs, pretty much priceless, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you spoke of the conditions that week and just like anyone that's successful, literally in anything, there has to be detractors. There has to be naysayers and, and everybody that, you know, has to find something to disagree with it. Um, you just said we may never see conditions like that. So do you feel like that record isn't even worth going after? Uh, Is it just sealed in the record books forever? Unless there's just this crazy, you know, lightning strikes twice and they're out at a competition and they hit the perfect win conditions. Um, You know, that's a good question. I think a lot of people don't understand the, I guess, rules and regulations around throwing the distance record. Obviously there's no max wind limit on the distance record, but to throw the distance record, you need to be at a, a with diff qualified distance event and have officials out there. And it has to be advertised in advance and whatnot. So it's not like you can just go out and throw a disc in a, in a tornado and be the only one out there and have the distance record. Um, that day, yeah, it was exceptional conditions. It was extremely difficult to throw the disc, but a lot of the furthest throwers in the world were out there at the same time. I don't know. We we haven't held the distance competition since then. Mm-hmm. My my dad and a few other names, Jeff Stoops, uh, Mark Molnar used to run the Big D in the desert. They used to run it, and um, since then, we really haven't had the competition, but I could definitely see it coming back here with the growth of the sport and spectators being interested in watching these big shots that, you know, maybe it would be great to see a a actual distance focus event with spectators around just to kind of showcase that aspect of the game because it's pretty cool to see in person. Yeah. And I was just going to follow that up and say, 
I think about where could we get these wins again, and not that you're you're counting on them. And because, as I'm sure you can elaborate, you you, you don't want wins that were that intense. I mean, you want a little bit of win to aid you, but something that's that intense um, is almost a stroke of luck. In addition to having a perfect release, so if it were to happen somewhere, is going back to air, uh, you know. Uh, Nevada and that area or Nevada, Phoenix or, or Arizona, anywhere in that area. Is that the only obvious place or would you entertain it in a wide open, uh, you know, sanctioned place in Oklahoma? Oh yeah. Put it, put it anywhere, put it anywhere. You don't need the wind to have big throws. You don't, I mean, it, it makes it a lot harder to get a good throw off like that, that day, I believe only three throwers out of the entire field, male and th- female had a further throw than they did the prior days with, extraordinary less win than that day that the record was set and you know that that says a lot too but i would i think i would think you know having the event you could even do it possibly in an indoor setting and i know that's been discussed but really anywhere that has a big field that you can get people out to would be a suitable place to have a distance competition well i was thinking that i mean it kind of feels like now that you've you know set this record a lot of people are kind of like well there's the record, but we can we could in theory break it down by um, miles per hour indoor outdoor. I think that I don't believe that the FPO record is out of touch. I don't believe. I mean, there are we could have junior records. I mean, even if your record won't be won't be beaten for fifteen, twenty, thirty more years. I mean, who knows with d- disc technology and uh, training in the human body and what we can accomplish? But there are other uh, perspectives that we can have for this type of contest. And I think, you know, it's not just about going out to break the world record. We could have legitimate distance competitions, just a yearly competition to see who is the furthest thrower. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you somewhat see that at the world championships in USCGC, but it's not, it's not a very formalized distance competition and it's not set up in a way that, it's very open to the spectators. It's kind of more organized. Go out and throw and get your throws in at the end of the day. We'll see where the numbers shake out as far as the distances go. Um, it would be cool to see it more in a whiff diff world flying disc federation format with, you know, 15 throws a day. You get three sets of throws and, you know, people can actually um, schedule when they're coming out there and, makes it a lot better for everybody, the spectators and the throwers. So with hearing a little excitement in your voice with regard to all of this, I ask how much as you're, as you're getting back more into golf and we'll get into that in a second, but how much does distance and throwing big distance and being a distance thrower, how does that rank for you right now in terms of like, how much do you value do you put on that? Is that a priority that as you're working yourself back into the ranks of being a serious competitor, a viable competitor against the best of the best, are are you looking to again lean into that distance and always make sure that it's you're you're one of the longest throwers? I enjoy throwing distance and I think it's really fun. So I think it'll always be a part of <laughs> when I'm playing disc golf, you know, especially, you know, I've I've got the record. People want to see me throw it a big shot on the course and it's, it's not, I'm not training for breaking the record again at this point, but I'll go out to the field and I'll practice my three sixty, 
make sure I have the flexibility for it. And that if I want to go out and throw it on the course that I'm not going to pull a muscle or fall down or, you know, shank a shot. So at this point, I'm trying to really round out my gaming, get my skills back to where they were back a few years ago and maybe even surpass them if I can. But, well, uh, yeah, yeah let's get into that. So, distance. uh, you won, you know, the, the am worlds back in 2010, um, you won it handedly. I don't know if it was by 20 or 30 or 50 strokes. It was by quite a few. And, uh, obviously then you went into your pro career. You had to actually turn down cash a number of times, uh, when you then took, uh, the am worlds down and then immediately you're this very young player out there, uh, competing in the open division in, you know, North Carolina area and very competitive, uh, with some of the greats that are down there. As you continued to play, at what point did you start to fall off of of prioritizing disc golf? Was that right when you hit college age and, and kind of just break down that journey for us? Okay, yeah. So it it was never really a uh, – it, it wasn't like a gradual slope of falling off. It was, hey, because when I do something, I do it 100%. I, when I was playing every day, I was playing every single day, and – I was trying to be the best disc golfer that I could be. And I I went to high school and I played pretty much every day throughout high school. I was traveling to tournaments when I could. Um, took a year in between high school and college to tour. Um, I hit the road with Jeremy Cole, and that's the name that everybody knows. We had mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of fun time on the road out there. I think I was 17, 18 years old during the time. And uh it was it was really cool as a kid that grew up playing disc golf to experience getting on the road and touring and it's it's a completely different landscape nowadays (laughs) because i mean jeremy colin's one of the best players and has been for a long time and everybody's got these fancy vans nowadays when me and jeremy toured we bought a ford windstar for two thousand (laughs) dollars and drove it from north carolina to las vegas on the very first trip and our buddy josh moody he he toured with with us too for a little while and, uh, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience. So I, I toured that year and I knew going into it that I was going to go to college after that, after that year of touring. And, uh, I came down here to new Orleans for Naval architecture, Marine engineering. And I, I just kind of shifted my focus from disc golf to that. It was a pretty rigorous program. And I knew I couldn't compete at the level that I wanted to without being frustrated and not being able to go to tournaments because I'd have to be around school and, you know, do scholastic stuff, projects, all that. Um, it, it kind of made me a little, I, I don't think discouraged is the right word, but knowing I couldn't compete at the full level that I wanted to made me shift my focus to, you know, let's knock this out. Let's go to college. And it's, it's something I enjoy as well. Boats are a big part of my life. So that's, that's pretty much where it left off. And earlier this year, I, uh, I started playing a lot more. I have time to play and I'm excited to see the growth of the sport. And it's really, really lit a fire to get back out there. Yeah. Have you been keeping clearly, have you been keeping up with all of the post-production the live content all that stuff are, are, are you watch were you were you kind of watching the growth of the entire sport over the last two to three years is that is that what's really you know you're looking at all these guys thinking like 
you know, with a little bit of practice, I can do that. Is that your mentality? Oh, it's going to take a lot of practice, but <laughs> I, I, I think I can get there. It, I haven't really kept up with the live coverage so much, but every once in a while I'll hop on pdj.com and look at the results and everything. And uh, actually, earlier this year, um, Tori and Kevin from the Disc Golf Pro Tour came down here and did a little bit of filming with me, and it kind of, with, with the conversations that we were having, I was like, wow, this is, y'all are full-time working for this thing called the Disc Golf Pro Tour. I've never even been to one of those events. What is this all about? Because there was, I mean, the, the sport couldn't support that level of uh, media and just the, the finances weren't there for the sport as well to support that kind of productions and everything. So seeing that kind of made me dig into it a little more and I have been watching the coverage and it's just incredible to see how professional it is now and everything. And I went to a disc golf pro tour event, the glass blown open um, a few weeks ago and just mind blowing. It's, it's like every pro tour events, the caliber of what the world championships were USCGC or something along those lines. So it's uh pretty awesome yeah kind of like you we're we're all growing up and uh it it's really transitioned um you know it's always been a slow and steady growth some people have appreciated where it's been and where it's come from you yourself being involved as long as you have can see the 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 leaps that have been taken over the last decade Uh, and it's I think it should be exciting and that's where I guess you it's always about perspective right people come in and they see and they think oh man this this and this isn't good you know they were really you know on any capacity oh they should be working on blank that's like hey whoa 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 slow your roll you know it took us 10 years to get over these humps and to get to this point and we're continuing on the right path is everything perfect of course not would we love to see it move faster yeah probably but there's a lot of people, you know, that all have all hands on deck, pardon the pun, that uh, to get it out there. Now, let's talk about your professional career. You now have started your own company. Is that right? Explain, you know, again, what your degree and your work uh, that you did in college and what that now has turned into. And, and now why do you have free time to play? Yeah, so. Like I mentioned, my degree was for a program called Naval Architecture and Marine Engineering. And it's it's a pretty um, unique program. It's only offered at a few places around the country. That's why I actually moved to New Orleans here in Louisiana. It was pretty much come down here, go up to Michigan, and I don't care for the cold that much, and I like to fish. <laughs> so New Orleans was a pretty easy choice for me. So when I graduated... The program is pretty central around engineering of ships and boats and everything of that nature. I, I did some work as an engineer in the office, and I was actually working in Gulfport, Mississippi, which was a pretty good drive from New Orleans, and I, I really didn't have time to do anything. But I, uh, I decided to go into marine surveying, which is actually being on the vessels and doing inspections and testing and everything, and started my own LLC um, doing that here in the past year. So I work kind of weird hours doing it. I, I get called out on short notice to go to these ships on the river and do different types of surveys on them. But that also allows me to have free time during the day. So thought that it was no better time to start dusting off the discs and getting out there to play. And I've been out there pretty regularly this year and it's starting to come back. 
And with that career and that job, is that something you'll be able to continue forever in terms of how you're doing it now and then also being able to commit to events? Or will you be scaling up to where you have employees and then there's just, you know, you won't necessarily have to No, I'm pretty much just freelancing right now. So I could, could, um, you know, just notify the people that I work for that, hey, you know, I'm unavailable and we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, before I commit to going fully on tour, I want to make sure that I'm able to play it at a level that I'm not going to be frustrated playing at. And also got to make money to stay on the road and <laughs> all that. So I'm just going to try to keep it sustainable. And, you know, when I can lean the other way, I'll be able to lean the other way. Yeah. And we just put up the picture of you at, uh, you know, that magical day. Uh, we have that now up on screen. Um, what's the conversations been like with Innova throughout all these years? Obviously you just literally and figuratively growing up, maturing, and then, you know, picking professional career paths and, you know, where your focus, uh, you know, either was or is going, what have been conversations with Innova, um, throughout the years, if any? Yeah. So I've been on team Innova, I think since I was 10 years old, (laughs) <laughs> or maybe 11, 10, 11 ish. It was after, I think I set my second distance record as a kid. And, uh, I just turned 27 years old, April 23rd. So it's been, it's been a, a long, good standing relationship with Innova. I love, I love their plastic. I love the, the family, the Innova family, especially on the East coast over there that I grew up playing with. And, uh, you know, they've, they've had my back throughout the years even when i wasn't playing a lot i think holding the distance record helps a little bit with that but uh yeah it's 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 hard to go anywhere having having the signature distance set the record so i've it's really worked out well over the years and i I thank innova for the support every time i can and uh you know looking forward to to getting getting some new discs, trying some new models. I got a shipment coming in soon. So looking forward to that. So what does, what does the future look like for you as far as the tour? I mean, you're, you're, you want to practice, you want to get back out on tour. You want to compete with the the top players, but you say you still need a little bit of practice. Are are you going to start Idlewild or Jones? We already did Jonesboro. I think (laughs) that'd be a little late. Um, Are you, what, are you going to hit some of the disc golf pro tour events? Can you even hit some of the disc golf pro tour events? I don't even know what the policy is right now, as far as getting into these events. I was able, I'm, I'm in three more events this year on the disc golf pro tour. Okay. So in between there, I'll be playing some local events and hopefully trying to qualify for the USCGC at either the pro tour events or Monday qualifiers, maybe even. So we'll see, but, I am going to play some larger events still this year and kind of go from there, you know? Now, uh, <laughs> well, let, let's go. I was trying to think which question I want to go with you. So I'm going to go with this one. I don't, we don't need specifics and, and quite, as I always say, it's really technically none of my business, but it's still worth asking when you have your name on a disc and well, for starters, it's awesome that, no matter how many worlds get won, people will forget about the world champion and it's easy just to get lost in the shuffle 
no disrespect to our world champions, but it can be easy. Like somebody, somebody has to really think like who won 2002 worlds or who won 2009 worlds. Like you have to think about that for a moment, even if you're a diehard fan, but the fact that you've withheld this distance record for all these years and everybody's you've, you've literally just, you've set the new marker. So when someone's like, Oh, well, how long can one of these get thrown? Like your name gets brought up probably more than almost anyone else because they reference your 1100 foot throw. So I guess what I'm a long winded way to get at a question is, does Innova continue to stamp your name on discs, And then do they continue to support you in some financial way by, with some kind of royalties or sponsorship? Actually. Yeah. So since I set the world record with the, uh, Innova champion blizzard boss, that became a signature disc that I endorsed with Innova and most likely as long as I hold the record and me and Innova continue to, um, support each other and, you know, have an agreement, then it, it'll remain that way. And I'll, I'll receive royalties off of it, but that's, that's pretty much it. Damn, the boy's getting paid. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I know. That's what I, I, uh, I will say, I don't see a lot of Blizzard <laughs> bosses Blizzard. out there right now, but I'm 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 sure that uh, if I'm sure if David started playing well again, people would be like, "Ooh, look at that!" I know I have one somewhere in my yeah, in yeah. my stack still. So but, yeah, we got to get a resurgence on yeah, that Blizzard. We, was, I'll tell you what, I was surprised. I played a local doubles tournament not long ago, and it was with actually a young mm-hmm. friend of mine, Silas Williams, who's coming up really quick out of Mississippi. Um, I was out there playing doubles and I think like five people came up with blizzard bosses wanting me to sign them. I was like, what? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's more, that's more than when I set the record, <laughs> like a little local event. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool to see. And they were like, yeah, this is my favorite disc. And you know, mm-hmm. it was a wooded course. So I was kind of surprised, but <laughs> it's cool to see that support. And I mean, just people were excited about a disc, that could possibly fly that far. So it's, it's just cool to see it's humbling as well. So yeah, just the, the iconic nature of the disc to know, like you just said that it's gone that far. One human, one individual at one point, you know, propelled this thing to that distance is absolutely incredible. And one of the great things about the blizzard plastic that we saw is the versatility of it in general, because it put out there as distance comp distance throwers. It's out there for beginner throwers, people who, you know, younger throwers, depending on the the make and the model, we all know that you know there there was there's a run on specific types of them for a while, depending on where the the bubbles were, and sometimes you can get one you know that's more stable than others. So there's a wide variety of Blizzard plastic out there for every type of person, which is phenomenal. Oh yeah, I've had Blizzard bosses that I could throw full power at sea level, and they would still they would still come back at the end. I mean. You can get them from extremely light weight ranges to mid one sixties. Yeah, I used them. Uh, I used one in Japan uh, twelve year, twelve years ago or so. <laughs> I think it was a Blizzard Wraith or something like that, and it was relatively stable. I was kind of surprised. I expected it to be a little bit more flippy, but that one went really straight for me, so I was pretty happy. Now, uh, a few people have seen, uh, I was super excited personally. Uh, we had the conversation back then, but a few people uh, saw earlier this year, you on the throw down the mountain coverage that we were able to capture. 
And even then there was just this resurgence and this, you know, reintroduction of you. And, and uh, honestly, the year before, uh, we saw, um, uh, uh, out of, uh, Tennessee, uh, Justin Bennell, sorry, Justin Bennell had kind of resurged and then ended up winning throw down the mountain. Everyone's like, who the hell is this guy? And we're like, no, he's really good. He just has taken a few years off like yourself, does some fishing, loves boats um, and all that stuff. And what's it been like, you know, I mean, is it, is it weird having someone either talk about a distance record or, or not know who you are as you're standing next to them and knowing, you know, the accomplishments that you've had, is any of that weird with, you know, how new our, our new fans are? You know, I, it, it really didn't feel like I had been gone that long when I stepped out there in, in Florida, throw down the mountain. I was, I was playing with some players that I'd been playing with, you know, up to probably 12 years ago. And, <laughs> you know, we, we just kind of picked up where we left off and there's, there's so many faces and spectators out at these events. I mean, that was, that was the biggest um, kind of surprise to me, but uh, you know, people, people would come up occasionally and recognize me, but that was, that was never something that I thought was, you know, crazy because it never happened that much. And so today it's still like, you know, every once in a while, somebody will come up and recognize me, but you know, it's, it's just, cool to see and hopefully i can get my face back out there some more and show some people some big shots yeah i know we're looking forward to it you also i believe do you have uh you know again the the game is ever changing and we're growing up in a lot of ways uh i know i saw a post with you and double g and a couple other people were talking about like longest you know one of the longest throwing groups ever i know double g and ted and those guys are doing some stuff with the jerky and and uh you know, just trying to get out there and probably uh, full representation and, and, you know, looking for potential sponsors and, and tour support and that type of stuff or no? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Double G and Ted when I went over there for the Tallahassee Open. Um, that was also kind of like an eye opener. That was the first disc golf pro tour or that wasn't a pro tour. That was a sil- silver series event that I attended mm-hmm. there. But uh me and double G have been good buddies for a long time. And, um, we were chit chatting it up and hanging out out there. And he introduced me to Ted and, you know, kind of opened my eyes a little more about the sport. And I I see how successful they are with the beef jerky. And they're gracious enough to bring me along on the team. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, gain support as a player that wants to get back out there as well. And, uh, shoot, they jumped on me and, you know, I, I'm very thankful for them. And I'll tell you what, that's some, that's some fine jerky. They told me that they would, uh, they would hook me up with as much as, you know, I wanted that I could sell or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to eat all that beef jerky. You sound, <laughs> you sound like me. So I got to ask, what's your favorite flavor? Um, I like the McBeast one. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's McBeast or teriyaki or a combination. Yeah, he's got a special like bar. He's got a barbecue. His is some form of barbecue. And then there's a separate one that is teriyaki. That's really sweet. Uh, yeah, all mean, on the opposite end of where, where I, I am haven't tried a bag that I haven't liked. So, no, all right. All right. Fair so, enough. 
I have to ask, we're talking about distance. You see all these guys on tour, like your your Ezra, Aderholds, Double G. What what is your distance right now? If if you're gonna go out to a we'll just say golf shot, not not necessarily distance throw, because you know, that's a whole separate um skill, discipline, so to speak, yeah. and discipline. What are you able to throw on a golf course regularly and confidently, I would say? Accurately, maybe is the better word. Yeah, like like you mentioned, it's a complete different animal throwing on a course versus throwing distance shots. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a lot of players aren't throwing a 360 on the course. I mean, how often do you see that happen? It's pretty much never. I can add a significant amount of distance with the 360, but on the course, I'm not throwing um, that much further than anyone. A lot of these bigger arms out there effectively are keeping up throwing the same distance on the course because you know you're you have to have control out there as well so it has an advantage to some degree to throw really far but once you're at the top level it's it's somewhat of a level playing field out on the course yeah and i feel like you know as you're saying that i was watching you at throw down the mountain throwing mid-ranges you know, namely rocks in a lot of places you see people either, you know, usually with a fairway driver of sorts. Do you feel like that's still maybe one of your biggest advantages is that you're able to club down in situations where you can play for control? Yeah, it, I think it does help to be able to throw a, a disc that maybe is a little straighter or lands a little softer. But at the same time, I know that I prefer to throw I, I club club down instead of clubbing up or club up and set. I'll, I'll throw a slower disc a little bit harder than a faster disc, a little bit slower, but that's just my style of throwing as well. But I personally like it. I grew up playing in North Carolina in the woods. Mm-hmm. So throwing a disc that I could control was extremely important. I, I grew up throwing putters and rocks on everything pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's funny how the woods of North Carolina and where you started playing, you know, no one would think, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to go out and be a world distance, you know, record holder. You know, you think if you're in Texas or Oklahoma, you, you know, just naturally might yeah. lend <laughs> lend to those types of throws and just that topography. And and not that was not the case whatsoever. Um, so you're getting pressed here. Do you feel like you have a, a number like if you stepped up, let's put it this way. 600 foot hole, relatively open, relatively mild winds. Uh, are, you, are you coming up 50 short? Are you going 50 long? What do you feel like you're doing? I think I could get there. Yeah, I think I could get the birdie or the two on that. Um, if I were to go out to a field right now, I've, I've used the UDIS distance app a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, anywhere between like 630 and 650. Okay. Just somewhere right around. <laughs> yeah, I'm somewhere in that range too, give or take 200. <laughs> two throws. <laughs> two throws yeah. for me. Um no, I mean that's amazing because we see the 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 top guys on tour right now. I, I don't put any of them at that distance. Not even Ezra. And I, I think Ezra's Well, I, I guess I'm, that yeah. that is also in a field and that's me throwing for, as hard as I can. But, sure. You sure. know like like you said if you're throwing off a T-pad for control Mm-hmm. anybody that can throw a disc over 600 feet i mean there's there's not many people out there that can do it yeah. you see a lot of people on the internet saying 600 feet under ideal conditions yes but flat ground no wind 
a 600 foot throw is extremely impressive in my opinion. And there's not many people that can do it. Yeah. Um, with, with the people that you've seen come in and now you're going to be playing against and what you've seen online and, and, you know, and in person, is there anyone, maybe that's newer or maybe not, but is there anyone you're looking at and you're like, all right, damn, they, they've got it down. They, they definitely know what they're doing. When you look to someone and, and maybe either you're impressed or you're just, you know, it's just a head nod. Like, yeah, I, I acknowledge that power and that, and that effort. And who, who are some of the top throwing names that, that jump out at you? Oh, well, I played with Anthony Burrell at the glass blown open. Ah. He was extremely <laughs> impressive with his power and actually yeah. all around game. I mean, he had all the tools in the bag. Um, I haven't been to many big tournaments, you know, since I've, I've come back, but that, that friend of mine, the kid coming up in Mississippi, Silas Williams, I'll tell you what, he's <laughs> he's going to be a kid to watch out for in, in the juniors and coming up pro scene. He's kicking butt over there against uh, against the grown man like I was when a kid. <laughs> when I was a kid, he kind of reminds me of my younger years out there on the course. So, um, yeah. I love it. Nice. Now, um, uh, as we kind of start to wrap things up here, I guess – one of my questions would be, do, do you see yourself, if all financially viable, do you see yourself two, three, five years down the road out there competing 20-ish weekends a year? You know, maybe you've got your, you know, your full-time career. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But do you see yourself touring 20, 25 weekends a year? Yeah, I think that could definitely be a viable possibility moving forward, just trying to like I said, feel it out with my skills this year, hit some larger events, play the local events and get myself polished up where I need to be. All right. Now, uh, another way in which people are going to see you, I know that uh, I saw you down in uh, New Orleans earlier as well this year at another event. I saw you in Florida, filmed you there, but then um, you were playing in the pot of gold and you, we had a, another set of camera people running around, uh, you know, hunting you down throughout the weekend. Can you give a little insight into the Disc Golf Pro Tour and or the the piece that's being put together on you and when we're going to see that? Yeah, so I, I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. Corey and Kevin from the Disc Golf Pro Tour, um, I, I think it's kind of Corey's brainchild, but he's making a series of documentaries about influential players in the sport or people that have had unique accomplishments such as myself in the sport and uh, kind of shed light on some disc golf history that so many new um, players and spectators and people interested in the game would have no idea knowing. And it's, it's a really cool project because, you know, the, the sport is, it's getting older. I mean, it, it started, <laughs> what in the in the 60s so we're, we're like 60 years old almost now in the game so having actual footage and docu documenting these accomplishments and players is going to be pretty cool i think so Corey and uh, the disc golf pro tour should be releasing this um episode or short film with me in it here in a few weeks kind of going over my my involvement in the sport and what i'm up to so yeah. i'm looking uh, forward to seeing it i think it's going to come out pretty cool 
Yeah, and, and clearly being shot, you know, with great cameras and and uh, an agenda and a script and all that other stuff, putting together a nice documentary piece. I'm looking forward to it as well. As well as I know you and I've seen you all these years, I'm still looking forward to uh, consuming it. And one of the things I, I'm on, I'm on the TikToks now. I think that's what the kids say. Uh, today, today <laughs> right. I went back and I found you at the 2016 Worlds. Were you at 2016 Worlds? No, that, that that wouldn't even make sense. Was it? Yeah, it must have been. Uh, you throwing the distance competition there? That, Wait, that, this was on TikTok? Well, I, I grabbed it from my own YouTube channel. Oh. And then I, I repurposed it today, uh, knowing that you're going to be on the show tonight. And uh, I repurposed the throw, and I think they said it was 207, which must have been yards, because then we talked about it being 621 feet. And you had said like, yeah, you felt really good about that. And I think you went on to win, um, win the competition for the year. And um, I just think about, you know, you throwing 1100 feet. And then on this particular day, in these conditions, how you took it down the distance competition at 621. Now, granted, that's not a, a whiff diff sanction, you know, throw any, any direction you need to kind of thing. And I understand it's not a regular all out distance competition, but to see you, uh, you know, perform well there and take it down, uh, just very, very different style and atmosphere for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I've always, I've always taken pride in the distance competition at the world championships and I've always, was trained it's kind of gets me pumped up before the actual start of the main competition but it's it's something that i've always strived to win when i went out there um i was going through my stats for it because i'm looking at um potentially adding some more sponsors like i mentioned double g picked me up um some other some other possible um companies but i put like a list of stats together and i was going through my world championships and I was like, there's no way. But I've never finished w- worse than second place at a distance competition at the World Championships from nine to, I think the last, last one I played was in 2019. And who are some of the guys that beat you? Do you recall? <sighs> Jeremy Colling one year at the at the Charlotte Worlds. Mm. He got me. Home um, field advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lives there. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Gosh. Well, it's a pretty short list. Whoever's on it. Yeah. Maybe. I can't. Did I can't you ever play with Solstrom? I think of a Marcus Solstrom might have been around. I think Kevin Jones got me by a foot at the last one I went to. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Kevin yeah, Jones. Yeah. Okay. That sounds Yeah. Right. I think so. I threw earlier in the day and I had the lead and uh, I think he got me by a stick at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kevin. Uh, so again, we're just about to wrap up, but what type of sponsors might you be in need of? Of course, we know, you know, what discs you're throwing. We know what jerky you're eating. What, uh, what are some of the types of needs that you have that you could see yourself, uh, aligning with as a, as a professional golfer here in 2022? Well, I actually just signed a deal with uh, foundation disc golf to carry their bags and some of their apparel and equipment. So that's nice. That's pretty exciting for me. So I've, I've got the bag, I've got the discs, I've got the, I've got the food fuel. So, um, definitely looking at some other possible companies right now, but okay. I'm, I'm happy to have these guys behind my back and looking forward to working with them and checking out some of the new products they have out. 
Okay. Yeah, I think now, I mean, now we have, uh, of course, in your lifetime, you've seen Byte come into the industry. You've seen then Solomon and then Solomon, ultimately, uh, that gentleman transitioned over to Keen. So you've seen Keen involved. We've seen Adidas Terex and now Idio uh, uh, Shoes is a viable um, shoe producer and maker in disc golf. So there's another opportunity. It's, it's amazing how all of these things continue to uh, pop up as disc golf just gets more and more mainstream and more popular. There's so many more opportunities uh, and places oh, yeah. to find support. And another thing that's blown my mind about the growth is just how many disc golf companies there are. I mean, mm-hmm. you had like less than a handful to choose from <laughs> when I started yeah. playing. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be, it didn't matter who you were sponsored by. You could probably name every disc, or at least if you couldn't off the top of your head, if someone asked you what it was, you knew what it did. I, yeah. There's no absolutely. way. There's not a, there's not one person right now that can tell you what every disc does. It's, it's, just, awesome. it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a wild ride and David, we can't say enough. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, uh, it's great having you back and playing and, and I'm sure we're going to continue to see you in the spotlight. And I, I, if somebody goes back, I don't know if it was, vlog 32 or 34 but way back in the history books uh, my first season of vlogging was 2010 and i interview you after you had just put on a dominating performance at the uh at the worlds the am worlds he's like 15 uh yeah how old were you in 2010 you were like 15, 12 15. weren't you 2000 no oh, that was yeah 10. i was 14 14 okay yeah yeah it uh We've both grown up in in a lot of ways since then. Meme, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny. I'll have to put a link out there. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we, we've it's done some interviews, yeah. Because all my all my stuff on YouTube's from when I was a kid. I mean, I know I looked older than I was. I'm 27 now, but I was probably between 12 and 16 then. Uh huh. <laughs> on YouTube. Well, you were you were always well spoken, and it was always great seeing you and your dad at every event. I I knew he was your number one fan and supporter and partner in crime and all of it, and it was always awesome. So, um, it's it's so great to hear the stories and, like you said, sharing even the world record holding disc. You know, knowing that that's really a part of him and his legacy, along with what you guys have accomplished. It's it's certainly pretty awesome to hear. So. We're going to cut you loose. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to say thank you. And I've, I mean, I think I met you maybe at the world, you ran the world championships in Wisconsin way back in the day, right? Yeah. 2007. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You and, and what Wyatt maybe or Andrew, Wyatt Wyatt and Andrew Coggin. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. There you go. There's some names. Uh, Yeah. Back in 2007, uh, is when I, I was the TD for Am Worlds here in Milwaukee. Johnny was on the staff as well, and uh, that was probably the first time we ran into each other. So, And here we are. That's cool. Here well, thank we you are. for having me, Terry. Um, hopefully I'll uh, see a lot more of y'all out there on the course here moving forward. Yeah, if I'm talking to you, that probably means you're doing something pretty damn well out there and uh, getting the job done. So I look forward to more of those interactions here in the future. Thanks for joining us tonight. Be safe in that storm. And again, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take care. See ya. All right, everyone. Again, David Wiggins. Eventually, we're making it work here uh, through some technical challenges to get started. But thank you so much to him. Uh, for being able to join us and truly just a, a, 
it's crazy because I, I know I say it all the time to think back whether I was thinking 2010 that I could reference. And that's right. That was the same year I started my first ever video blogs. First time I'd ever done anything on YouTube. And you go back through some of those early interviews and experiences. He had just come off the course. He had just birdied like a 420 or 440 foot hole 18 uphill. Of course, he was the only person to get anywhere within range at that time with the power that he had and uh, put together a really solid finish to that round and then went on to, I believe, destroy the competition in every possible way. (laughs) Uh, Yes, very, very impressive. And I was thinking about it as we were talking. There was one of the worlds. I believe it was a world championships. I don't recall which one. But he had, I think, won or took first in like every single additional game oh, like, so like i think he putting, won putting edge. he won the edge competition won um the uh, uh the distance competition shocker like he had won all of the <laughs> like dude simmered down yeah it was that that may have been charlotte i'm sure he knows hopefully he's got it somewhere but um just absolutely just all-around incredible athlete and disc golf's going to be better uh now that we have him back in here throwing on a regular basis so uh, thank you guys for joining us. And again, thank you so much, uh, David, for sharing the time and look forward to what we're going to see on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So, all right. Now we're going to shift gears. Uh, there's been a, a lot of things going on in the news. Um, uh, the real quick rundown that we saw also today, uh, in addition to our next guest, is we saw that unfortunately a gentleman in Florida had lost his life because uh, he was out trying to retrieve some discs. Uh, sounds like he may have been a, a semi-regular retriever against uh, not only protocol, but um, against warnings by plenty yeah. of other people. Including law enforcement. Including law enforcement. And it sounds as if maybe he had a, a few struggles with some Substance. addictions and substances and whatever. Nonetheless, uh, very, very heartbreaking to hear of a disc golfer passing um, today. And, due to uh, a gator attack. Yeah, due to the gator attack that uh, took place down in Florida. And unfortunately, we have another um, near tragic event that uh, took place this weekend in Kansas City. And we're going to welcome the tournament director from this weekend's event to the show, Michael Krieger. Mike, Michael, how you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. And, you know, there was, of course, the conversation throughout the weekend that uh, there was a, a very horrific incident that took place down in Kansas City. And we know Kansas City. Johnny and I are very particular to Kansas City. We've had there a few times. Yeah, memories. Couple, multiple events. All the way back, you know, dating back to the 90s. And it's just such a historic disc golf community that's hosted so many world championships and so many big events. And this weekend, I guess, uh, give us the rundown. What, what exactly transpired? Uh, it was, uh, we were at uh, Kessler park, which, uh, has hosted all kinds of leagues. It's hosted all kinds of tournaments. It's had a tiers there. Uh, I, it's had it was part of the world championships before it's had leagues before like and just non-sanctioned events it's had our club championships before it's a park that we've used a, a ton of times before for events uh, an event i was running this weekend this past weekend we had 277 players the b pool or a pool sorry which was the uh 
men's professional and women's professional divisions were at uh, Cliff Drive and they were just starting their second round. And uh, after the players had, I think it was their first or second hole, they uh, were starting to walk down the hill and just a random person who was in the park pulled a gun and started shooting. And there, there was no... There, there were no words exchanged. It was just a completely random. There was no, there wasn't any agitation, like, agitation or like, altercation. Like, hey, we're trying to play here. This is a fairway. Could you maybe move? And nothing like that. Just so, yeah. I mean, there was some discussion. Like they were getting ready to throw the particular hole, and he kind of like popped up and was asking them what they were doing. This has happened to all of us probably at some point in time where people are like, so what are, what are you doing here? And they're like, well, we're going to throw Frisbees down the hill because we're uh, throwing to that basket. We're playing in a tournament. So they had a, a bit of a conversation. And then according to one of the guys that was on the card, they started walking down the hill. It was a downhill hole. They started walking down the hill and uh, this guy started following him and he was like, uh, you know, this this guy is following us, and is he going to follow us, like, the whole round? We don't want that, but, you know, whatever. And then somebody turned around, and apparently he had pulled a gun, and they saw the gun, and somebody uh, then who saw it yelled gun, and then all four of them scattered. One went backwards, back up the hill. Another one went uh, over to the right to the woods, and then two ran down the hill, and he just started shooting, and one of the bullets hit. Uh, one of the players, but yeah, there was no agitation. There was no uh, fighting. There was no like, Hey, get off the course or what are you doing here or anything like that? It was all very amicable and then just really random. And the, 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 the person who did the shooting, he, he, he is in custody at this point. Is there correct? Yes. has there been any sort of, I hate to use the word motive, but I mean, because it doesn't, it, it clearly wasn't pre-planned this. It, do they know, have they asked him why he did that? Is, is, has he given an answer? Is it, is there anything particular? No, no he, uh, so after he did it, he like took off running and there's another park called Maple Park just to the West of uh, Kessler Park or Cliff Drive. And he was apprehended there. They found him with a gun on him. It was a 38, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, so they had him. They have the weapon. They took him into custody. They took him to uh, the police station. They asked him why he would do it. And my understanding is he just refused to answer. Like, he just didn't have an answer. Uh so of of course I know we're we're kind of trying to get to more of those details uh and and we know that uh the gentleman who was shot um he has mm-hmm. now he he's living he's alive and has mm-hmm. been going through some pretty extensive uh medical procedures can you kind of give us an update uh as to well first of all I assume ambulance were there within hopefully minutes or or how did how did the rest unfold Yeah yeah so uh, one of the guys on the card who had ran up the hill, he tried to call 911. There were so many calls to 911. He was like put on hold. 
Uh, and sure. by the time that he had got through to 911, he had said it was about a minute later. They said, yes, we've had multiple calls. Uh, paramedics and police are on the way. Uh, the paramedics got there and uh, they took him to a local hospital. He uh, underwent surgery on Saturday, which was, I guess, kind of a triage surgery uh, to uh, explore like what damage the uh, bullet had caused. There was uh, some damage to his colon, uh, and some of his colon, I believe, was lost. Uh, his uh, pelvis or his hip, I don't remember which, was also uh, fractured, but that was uh, a small problem. And there was a couple of other injuries to organs. Uh, he then on Monday went through another surgery, and uh, they had left the wound open. They closed up everything. Everything was looking good. But uh, he had a little bit of a setback. He has uh, been intubated and is on a ventilator again. Uh, but they think that the prognosis is good. He just needs time to, to rest and heal before his lungs can uh, start absorbing enough oxygen. And I don't think we've mentioned his name. His name is Jake Riley. Um, right. And we, we've seen a lot of outpouring from the community from different mm -hmm. aspects. Uh, I believe... His fiance opened up a GoFundMe recently. Uh, That's right. And we saw, I, I mean, one of the things, the big Ricky Wysocki has made a, a post out there. If you go to SockyBombFoundation.org slash donate, um, uh, Ricky's raising money for this gentleman as well uh, for Jake. So if, if obviously, if, if you're inclined out there to, to give some money, you haven't heard of this earlier today, or was it today and yesterday? Um, by all means, there's there's multiple ways that you can donate and, and help out Jake. Right. Yeah, because the most important thing, you know, I mean, this is uh, horrible in all kinds of for all kinds of reasons. But, you know, the most important thing is trying to get him to heal. And even with insurance and whatnot, there's still so many expenses and you lose like, you know, salary because you're not able to work. And uh, his fiance is like taking care of him. I mean, they just got a long uh, road ahead of them and anything really uh, would help them uh, just move forward as uh, he uh, takes time to heal. And now I'm sure, again, as you said, with the, the slew of 911 calls and probably just the overall proximity, was it very quickly realized throughout the course? I, and I know that course spreads quite a bit of area as, as, most of the Kansas City courses do, but was it very quickly realized to the rest of the tournament and the, the patrons and the players as to what had happened? And then, you know, was everything was was immediately called off at that point from that park? Is that what transpired? Um, yeah, so I was actually at Blue Valley Park at that point in time, which was we had four courses going that day. I was at Blue Valley Park, which is not terribly far away. I was uh, as soon as uh, it happened, pretty much I was messaged and then called the course director over there, called me and was like, hey, this has happened. What should I do? And it's it's like, you know, blow the horn three times. They're going to be like, there's no lightning, but they're going to know what it means. It's like, you know, so we did that. I could have sent a message via PDGA digital scoring, but yeah, I was driving <laughs> just because yeah. I got in the car and I drove to Cliff Drive as fast as I could. And by the time that I that I got there, 
the round, uh, everybody had stopped and I had said, no, no, we're not playing at Kessler. So we canceled round two for the MPO division. Uh, and then the other divisions that were going to play there on Sunday, we also canceled uh, those divisions for them as well. Just, and there were a number of people even that said, hey, I just don't feel uh, safe even going over like to Blue Valley. It's in another kind of economically depressed area. Obviously, I mean, you, you you made mention earlier of, you know, I'd have to think of who won the 2009 World Championships. And I'm like, no, Avery Jenkins won that right there on that hole. I was watching that when I got the call, uh, actually. So I don't have to think about that at all because I was at Blue Valley. But I, you know, certainly understood that they would be nervous about that and that they wouldn't want to play. So some people pulled out and that's OK. I, I get that. You know, this was uh, shocking for everybody. Yeah, and of course, horrible and tragic, and and of the silver lining, of course, is that uh, you know that Jake seems to be on his road to recovery. It's obviously going to be a long one, uh, as I can assume with any any wound or anything of that nature. But um, you know, hearing that everything seems to be heading in the right direction, it, Clearly not something that we hear of within disc golf. You know, Johnny and I've both been around for nearly 30, uh, 30 years of disc golf and never really heard of something of this nature. Um, I, I guess there's nowhere to go. That's not almost even political. And I, I don't even know if I need to, we've just had so much tragedy and so much conversation about just our overall just gun violence and gun general. violence and everything else that's going on within the U.S. and and everywhere else. What what does this mean? Because I know that must mean there's a conversation about these courses and and as much as they're championship level disc golf courses. What's the conversation moving forward about play and safety and and kind of protocols? Yeah, we well, you know. Uh, the Kansas City Wide Open is our kind of our premier event. It's an A tier this year. It's in August. Cliff Drive was scheduled to be one of the courses. We have pulled it just because personally, I think it would be safe, but I know that players probably don't think it would be safe. Mm-hmm. And so they don't mm-hmm. want to go there. Uh, Blue Valley, we haven't used recently, but, but again, we're probably not going to use that for courses either. Uh, Swope Park, of course, uh, the old Swope Park that was used in many championship events. Uh, if it was still around uh, and wasn't now a, a animal haven, uh, then it would probably be pulled as well because there, those courses are all in areas that are economically depressed and they're they're perceived as being not safe. Uh, and so we are having to do that. Now, we generally, we work with Kansas City, Missouri Parks very well. We have park rangers. We talk to the police. They know that we're going to be there. They have extra patrols through. But, you know, Cliff Drive is 65 acres. I, and as you were alluded to earlier, it's a big park, and it's not all right there together. I mean, going from one end to the park and down through the woods and up and down hills, it's hard. It would be hard to provide like some sort of security, and even if even security, I'm not sure what you would do. You have a guy mm-hmm. walking along the road, and then he follows a card and suddenly pulls out a gun. I mean, you can't prevent that anyway. So, really, we we are kind of at a loss on how to 
to proceed here. Uh, there is a group that's working on a Cliff Drive, a master plan for Cliff Drive, and maybe a, a reconfiguration of the park somewhat and changing of the roads and entrances and exits and so on could be helpful. And uh, the, they emailed uh, uh, me and Jack Lowe. Jack, does, you know Jack, he designed the course. Mm -hmm. Uh, they emailed uh, Jack and I earlier today and said that they were sorry about this, but certainly, certainly something that they would take into consideration as they continue working on their master plan. So I have to ask, how was this approached when you called the PDGA? Because, <laughs> well, I mean, we first of all, we see the funny commercials about, you know, the guy who wants to run an event and he wants alligators mm -hmm. in moats with lasers. I don't know. And then, but I can't imagine the PDGA has gotten any or many of this type of call in the past either what was what was their perspective and what was their protocol exactly how did that go down uh okay so funny thing that you mentioned those commercials uh, because of those commercials i knew that there was an event hotline and i looked uh, i was driving and looking up the number for the hotline at the same time i'm not supposed to do that i realized but it's like i need to call like you know, it's like I, I need to call the PDGA. And so I actually was on the phone with them um, even before I got to Cliff Drive. Uh, and uh, the I think it was Steve Boylan that I talked to. Uh, he. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, the person that I talked to said, I'm just like this happened. And he's like. Oh God. And asked like, how, like, do I know anything about the status of the person who was shot? And I told him what little bit that I knew. And then, uh, he said, well, the first thing that you did correctly is you called us. And, uh, then he said that we probably should stop the round. And I'm like, okay, that's already been done. We're pulling players off the course. Our cause I didn't know like what exactly had happened. So my concern is getting players off the course, making sure that they're safe. That's my first concern. They agreed with that. Uh, then that person said, hey, I'm going to uh, get a hold of uh, Andrew Sweeten, and uh, I'll give you a call back. Uh, Big Dog wasn't available uh, over the weekend, but he did get a hold of a couple of other people in the PDGA, and they called me, and then we talked through the process for what we should do. Uh, they agreed that we should cancel all the rounds uh, there at Kessler Park for the weekend. And I said, good, I've already done that. So I'm glad that you agreed with my decision, even though I didn't know that's what you would want me to do. Uh, and then they uh, told me how we would go about, like, since the second round had already started for the MPO division and there had already been scores entered, they can't just delete it as they go. So they just uh, created kind of a, a way to uh, put scores there that are just placeholder scores. Everybody got a 54. That round will be deleted uh, from their record. So everybody had a 964 rated round, all gone. Uh and uh, that so it's not been deleted yet, but it'll be deleted. And then um, they just uh, again, they they emailed me uh, throughout the course of the weekend asking for updates on how uh, Jake was doing and what I had heard and so on. But that's pretty much my conversation with the uh, PDGA. Uh, they uh, since there were like over 270 players, they were like, oh, this is a big event. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not huge, but it's a good size event. And so they definitely uh, were concerned. My understanding is the PDGA is going to have a meeting tomorrow night to discuss it. I'm, 
I'm not privy to that. I, I just hear that that secondhand that I've been told that they are doing that. And would that have something to do with, uh, I mean, with the reason why we sanction events is PDG insurance. Is Do you think I this is, so. I assume it has something to do with that. Maybe whether it's going to help cover costs or, or, or what the, uh, what the outlook on that is as far as I, yeah, yeah that's, I don't, and believe, I, I know yeah. that, uh, I know that our club uh, also has an insurance policy. And, of course, the event was sanctioned by the club, Kansas City Disc Golf Incorporated. And they also have an insurance policy. Uh, Our president, Chris Temko, he said he was going to talk to our insurance, too, to see, like, you know, because I'm not sure what's covered, not covered, and so on. But this is, uh, you know, one of those weird things that, you know, I don't know if there's any exclusions for it. Yeah, and and as we were saying, just the the true not only randomness but the the infrequency, if that's really quite the appropriate term. I mean, just n- something of this nature we just don't hear of happening. And right. and you know, you think about events where players sometimes get into altercations, and and you know, sometimes fists will fly or or, or some verbal assaults and things of that nature. But to have a non golfer get involved to this degree and have it just be truly so random is, um, is just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have all any words for it. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Of course. Um, what are the best ways? I I know I I've now put a couple of posts out there, uh, not only on my Facebook but also within the YouTube chat. Uh, we see the sakibaumfoundation.org slash donate, as Johnny just mentioned. Of course, then the I also put a a link out there for the um, the direct GoFundMe, which seems like it is really picked up and is. Uh, for, I hate to say it, but it's doing well. I guess is is a good way to put it. Um, it looks like it's. Um, uh, continuing to raise money, as you said, it's all going to be needed. What are the best ways that people can uh, lend either financial support or any other support that might be needed? I, you know, I tell you, uh, financial support, probably the, the best way is uh, through the GoFundMe page or Ricky's Foundation. Either way, okay. uh, Cassette wasn't going to set up a GoFundMe. That's Cassette Spencer is, is Jake's fiance. She wasn't hmm. going to set one up. And then people kept going, hey, you know, what would be the easiest way for us to be able to donate to the cause? And so she finally went, okay, I'll, I'll set one up. And uh, it's doing very well. Uh, and like, uh, and I, I, I want to just take a moment and thank Pete Cashin. I'm sure you all know Pete. Uh, he was one of the big donors on that. I mean, he immediately stepped up and uh, supported Kansas City Disc Golf, as, as Pete always does, by the way. Uh, he's, he is a, a great person and, uh, but the Kansas city community has come out behind him. Everybody is, is posting the link to that. And we don't care if, if somebody gives, you know, $2 or gives $200 or whatever, any little bit, uh, will help. So that's great. Also, I, I will say that Cossette and, uh, Jake and his family, they appreciate any words of encouragement, you know, thoughts and prayers. Hey, what? That's that's what Cossette is is like, man. Just you know, help the, the thoughts and prayers will will actually help Jake just you know move forward. And I'm like, hey, if that's what if that's what you want, she says, keep sending him um, on her Facebook post whenever she updates uh, Jake's status. Okay, and in, I guess with relation to that, only because we're 
we're excited for some form of speedy recovery and, and path to getting back on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any estimation of when, um, when he may be able to leave the hospital or, or any possibly any other long-term effects that this might have? And, uh, not, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't talked to her in detail. I've okay. just like been following her on Facebook and, and, uh, my wife, Liz, who is sitting next to me over here. Uh, my wife, Liz, uh, and I talk to her occasionally on Facebook, but we don't want to interject too much because, or ask too many questions because, you know, we know that she has to be exhausted and, uh, both emotionally and physically going through this, providing support to Jake. So we want her to have, you know, what kind of time that she can have and just uh, take what she gives us otherwise. But no, I don't know the long-term prognosis. I just know that it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough uh, for, for them. Yeah. It, um, it's something that clearly nobody should ever have to go through and being on a disc golf course, uh, out competing in a professional event or even an amateur, you know, pickup game, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're out on a disc golf course. That's certainly something that you would never uh, think about or, you know, have in the back of your mind when you're going out to play and you're packing up your, your cart or your bag for the morning. It shouldn't ever have to be something that you have to think about. So, uh, and, and I'll follow along with that where if you go out to the Saki Bomb uh, page, again, SakiBombFoundation.org slash donate, there's a, a picture and it says, help us help Jake. 100% of the donations in the next week will go to support Jake Riley and his family. So that along with the, um, the GoFundMe, as you mentioned. And yeah, as you said, Pete Cash, and along with, we know just how deep the entire Kansas City disc golf club and community is. And so nothing for nothing, being involved in such a supportive community in this case, uh, you know, to be embraced by is, is going to certainly work to his advantage, uh, you know, considering the situation. If I could just interject, um, Cosette said that he was Jake was going to be thrilled when he found out about Ricky doing that. She said that Ricky is one of his all-time favorite players and that it would mean the world to him. So well, good. thank yeah. you, Ricky. Yeah, certainly. And I, I haven't had a chance to talk to Ricky myself lately, uh, but um, yeah, very awesome to see him step up in the way that he did him and the foundation and, um, you know, jumping on to help rally the, you know, the entire disc golf community. And I'm sure they're going to continue. We're going to continue to see a lot of people uh, jump on and be part of that. So that's awesome. Well, I, 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 I don't know where we really go from here, obviously, other than, you know, like you said, we, we continue to, uh, you know, send our, our good vibes and prayers and thoughts over to the entire family. We donate. Um, and then, you know, I guess we kind of wait on the updates that comes out of Kansas city. Um, you know, maybe it's your position. Maybe it's not. Is there, is there anything you, you guys would like to say to the Kansas city or the greater, disc golf community about Kansas city disc golf, uh, in, in any given, uh, light or tone. Talk about plans for next year. <laughs> um, the, the only thing that I would like to say is, um, there, there have been some pretty negative things said about cliff drive. Um, and I understand it. Uh, mm-hmm. cliff drive is in an economically depressed part of Kansas city. Uh, there, there have been some strange things, strange happenings that go on at Cliff Drive. But I tell you, I, as a tournament director, I would never 
put <clears throat> anybody, you know, in harm's way. I uh, spend, I've spent, you know, thousands of hours at Cliff Drive. I run leagues. I ran, I've run leagues every, you know, every week. We've, the, we've never had a problem there. <clears throat> we've had lots and lots of tournaments there. There are parks goes out and does stuff. They never have problems. There's volunteer groups, a Kessler park cleanup group that goes out and they never have problems there. The disc golf folks go out and they never have problems there. There's people that go to the park to play basketball. They don't have problems. There's people that go to the park to, to ride bicycles and to, to climb the cliffs. I mean, of cliff drive and all that sort of stuff. There's all kinds of activity at the, the park. That's good, positive activity. People go there just to hang out. I went through the park uh, today and there was somebody lying under a disc golf basket. Why they were just lounging under a disc golf basket, no mm-hmm. idea, but I didn't care. They were just there relaxing and good for them. And this has never happened. So the the course has been there 20 some years or around 20 years. Uh, Jack has been heavily involved with it and I've been heavily involved with it. And we would never put anybody into harm's way. Cliff Drive is a, a great course, and you know I hope that uh, people still will understand that that Kansas City is is that this is just an anomaly, that it's just a crazy thing that's happened, and it's not something that I would predict that would ever happen again. But nonetheless, we understand that people are leery of the course, <clears throat> and so we'll keep tournaments off of it at least for the foreseeable future until the course gets some redesign and so on. But just know that. This is not what Kansas City Disc Golf is about. This isn't something that would ordinarily happen ever. Yeah, and and I, it, <clears throat> yeah, it, it clearly sounds as if this gentleman, you know, the the perpetrator. I mean, it sounds like if he was in any way uh, interacted with anyone in any part of that park or any park or any place could have had a similar result. Clearly, you know, he has some of his own, um, you know, challenges going on there and or help that he needs. Um, and it, no doubt. yeah, unfortunately, Jake was in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, for all of this to unfold the way that it did. But all right. Well, um, unless you guys have anything else, we, of course, we appreciate the update more than anything. I think this all, Again, silver lining. We know knowing that uh, Jake is on a road to recovery. Seems as if um, things are going about as well as they can. Um, I think that has helped. Um, you know the the converse. You know, steer the conversations a little bit more. Uh, you hate seeing and hearing of any of this, but at least it doesn't appear that it's been um, you know fatal or tragic in that way. So uh, hopefully, we just can continue to help him be on the mend and him and his family head in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And if you see Kansas City disc golfers with these red flowers on their bags at future events, just know that these are lucky flowers for Jake. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for the insight. Thank you for the update. I, I, before I let you go, I guess one of my favorite things to ask just generally is, is there anything that you would like to either address or dispel you know, a lot of times, whether it's a rumor or just general misinformation or misunderstanding, there's a lot of commotion. Is there any? Is there anything? Anything we didn't discuss that was like, oh, hey, we also see this, and we want to set the record straight. Is there anything of that nature that that we didn't touch oh, on? Oh, just 
No, not uh, just other than, you know, there's, there's so many like rumors and stories about mm -hmm. uh, the parks here in Kansas city that are in economically depressed areas. And it just kind of makes me sad because most of it are from, most of it are from people that have never been there. I tell you, you know, cliff drive does not bother me. If somebody called me up and said, Hey, tomorrow I want to go play cliff drive at six o'clock. I'd be like, let's go. You know, I'll show you cliff drive. We'll play all the holes. We'll have a good time and we'll be perfectly fine. So okay. that's, that's all. It's just, I, I spend a lot of time trying to combat uh, a reputation of the course. And I am, I'm always willing to go out and show people, no, this is, this really is a great place. And you know, the, 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 the most dangerous thing about cliff drive is there are people that practice driving there who don't know how to drive. And ah. sometimes they run the road and they don't know exactly where they're going, but that's the most dangerous thing about it. Generally speaking that, or I believe the Jack low birthday parties, those probably are dangerous too. If I had to guess, right. Doesn't he, <laughs> well, doesn't he host a, doesn't he host an yeah. annual birthday party over there? They, they, right. They haven't had a lion's den open for a little bit, but, but those things can be a little, yeah, I mean, those things as are it is for other reasons, maybe. <laughs> right. But they're a, they're an awful good time. Uh, that that's exactly what I see year in and year out when I see those invites rolling around. Well, uh, again, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for giving us the insight. Of course, uh, we'll continue to send our vibes, our thoughts, our prayers, uh, along with our contributions uh, all over to the places that I've mentioned, and uh, we'll continue to push those all forward. And and by all means, anytime you guys want, uh, whether it's you guys or Jake or his family or whomever, uh, anyone that wants to provide us with updates, we're more than happy uh, to share any good news uh, or updates that are available. We're more than happy to share them and pass them along to all of our our. Uh, viewers and listeners and fans out there. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good night. Have a good Unfortunate circumstance. Um, as we know that, you know, as he kept saying, um, there, there might, I mean, statistically it's probably more likely to happen in, in, in a economically depressed, depressed area of town. Mm -hmm. But as we've seen with a lot of things, it wouldn't be completely unheard of to have that happen in any park or any part of town the way things are right now. So yeah. I, 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 as he said, I wouldn't hold it against cliff drive personally, but it's uh, we're in some different, different times. That is unfortunately very true. So uh, again, go out. I, I put the links out there. I'm going to also, try to get them into the sh show, uh, notes. show notes and descriptions as well. I've put them on my Facebook and I'm sure you're going to continue to see them cycle around. Uh, don't, uh, don't hesitate to jump on any one of those. Uh, thank you to Ricky Wysocki for being a central meeting point or as uh, or, you know, placement for the donations and, or uh, you can go right to the GoFundMe and that will help out uh, obviously just as well. So do whatever you can. We'll make sure to get out and contribute ourselves as well. So uh, we wish you the best, Jake, and uh, you and your entire family um, and everyone involved. And and quite honestly, I mean, like anything of this nature, it's Jake who's affected along with his family. Those are all directly affected. And then we think about, every, you know, all the other people that are going to have the conversations. Um, understandably, somebody that was just playing in the group or was one or two holes away. Um, you know, certainly understandably uh, could ha be quite shaken up by 
you know, some of these things too. So as always, if, if you feel that you need to talk to somebody, please, you know, reach out and do so. Uh, cause that would be, uh, a more than an intense moment. I, I can only imagine an experience and thing to go through. Let's take the conversation in a little bit more upbeat. We're talking about the disc golf hall of fame right now. The 2022 hall of fame class was announced yesterday. And let me just add in there real quick as you're about to get to them and you did it perfectly as you, as I knew you would, this, there is a distinction that this is not the PDGA hall of fame. This it is housed fame. at the PDGA headquarters who acts as a host for it. Uh, but it is in fact headed up. So the PDGA does not uh, have a direct infusion or influence over this. Of course you look to PDGA stats and involvement as, as a, a large building uh, block or maybe a component of these uh, mm-hmm. players. But I, just as you read it, I, I immediately wanted to just make sure everyone does know uh, that it is the Disc Golf Hall of Fame that's housed at the headquarters and it is not a PDGA Hall of Fame. So go on with our very uh, appropriate class you got here, Johnny. For sure. And those of you may remember, we had a little controversy earlier in the year with the Paul McBeth situation. Um, the rules that were changed either due to that or due to just it being a new year, um, where you have to be at least 45 years of age in order to make it to the Hall of Fame, which we are sadly closer than we'd like to say. All right, so the Disc Golf Hall of Fame class of 2022 is Jim Sky South Orem. Uh, Terry and I had the pleasure of meeting him on one of our spring break trips back when Matty O was probably just running around in his diapers and a little young buck doing the Uh, finger pop. So uh, yeah, Jim very appropriately uh, inducted into the hall of fame, of course, uh, passing um, recently or semi recently, but uh, good to see him where he belongs in terms of the hall of fame. Peter Shive, who has how many, I, I don't even, I couldn't even fathom how many world championships Peter Shive has in over 200. <laughs> I don't think it's that many, but okay, he's got a lot, <laughs> uh, but ultimately Peter Shive, who, as it says here is a fierce competitor with numerous pro world championship titles. He was on the board of directors uh, and served as a voice for the age protected division. So that's Peter Shive, Steve Lambert, a disc golf pioneer, course designer, organizational founder, event administrator, uh, educator for youth disc golf uh, and just general promoter from the Charlotte, North Carolina area, a uh, very influential down there from what my understanding, I've seen some posts from some guys in the North Carolina area. Uh, Joe Kehau. I'm going to guess on that last pronunciation uh, early seventies pre disc golf basket pioneer. So we're talking old school uh, and a sport promoter for all phases of disc golf, Oak Grove course, original participant, if that says anything, Oak Grove. Yeah. And then as you continue reading PDGA number four, for what? <laughs> not 450,000, <laughs> not for 440, just PDGA number, four. number four. I would have thought, you know, no offense to whoever's doing this. If you're, if you have a PDGA number <laughs> less than probably 30, 20, we'll say 20, just put you in, man. Just <laughs> yeah. put you in. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Pete May. Pete May is a promoter, won a lot of world titles as well, founded the disc, the college disc golf, then uh, the collegiate national championships, designed courses down in the uh, Augusta area, I believe. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
The Hippodrome very the much hippodrome. is baby. Yes, and that so project. Those are your five Disc Golf Hall of Fame ceremony, or sorry, uh, members, class of 2022. The ceremony will be held, um, it says here, July 10th at the PDGA Junior slash Masters World Championships. So. Seems quite fitting and appropriate. Yeah, so the, uh, the those, those are the five. Those are the five. I guess, I guess, as you were uh, stating earlier, with a an age limit or threshold of being at least forty five, um, more often than not, not exclusively, but more often than not, then you'd likely find that award ceremony being convenient at the Masters World Championship. It used to be done at Pro Worlds. Yes, it was. Uh, it was yes, and that was you know what, pre. Pre-age uh, consideration or threshold, but also uh, just the fact that we had all of our professionals together more often than not. Um, a number of the players or people that were being inducted were also maybe still competing as professional players as well. So, um, yes, that is your class of 2022. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things we've been seeing with the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Disc Golf Network, specifically at the... Uh, press conferences throughout the year is we've been incorporating and having a conversation with a disc golf hall of fame member uh, usually as we're getting near the end of each press conference. And that's been a really great opportunity, I think to, to see and hear a little bit more of some of these pioneers of the game and the people that have truly laid the groundwork. So schmucks like Johnny and I can uh, make a partial career out of just sitting here and talking to uh, people that actually listen on a Tuesday night. And that largely comes uh, from so many of these uh, forefathers and foremothers of, uh, of before. So thank you guys so much and uh, congrats to all of those very well-deserved people. Uh, moving over to actual PDGA news, not just kind of a, a cousin, so to speak. Uh, the IDGC is hiring a pro shop manager. So if you're in the area of the IDGC and would like to run the pro shop, you can apply at the PDGA. Do you, do you think that's a remote position or I don't think so, Terry. Uh, okay. I mean, they just put probably, a screen up with my, me on zoom all day. <laughs> hey kid, don't, don't steal that. Don't, no, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> Look over there in bin seven. I think that's where they are. Bin seven is the disc you're looking for. Yeah. And there's a, a handful of discs approved from uh, windward discs, doomsday discs, EV seven, lone star discs. As we discussed with Wiggins, I can't keep track of them all. Um, and then there's again, the, I know this was, those were last week. I'm sorry. Uh, the We did talk about the PDGA registration, the World Championship registrations. Other than that, not a lot uh, Not a lot of new news in the PDGA this week. It was there, there was no Disc Golf Pro Tour event. There was no Silver Series event. It was very quiet. We've got the Portland Open coming up this weekend, which is, for some god-awful reason, a four-day event. Wait, let me... <laughs> Let me pause for an eye roll. Mm, let me join the club. I'll be doing the switching on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Not Friday, though. So You're switching out Friday? Switching out Friday with Lucas so someone can... I've got, I've got a scheduled appointment. Okay, yes. Uh, Four-day event, that's not a major. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. 
Uh, and then uh, part of the excitement that I know is rolling right around the corner as things are gearing back up. Uh, again, one week off and all of a sudden we feel like we need to gear back up. But uh, one thing that I know is very exciting that I've been looking more into is at the end of this month, less than 30 days from now, uh, we're going to see those 356 or 57 or 58, whatever the number is going to be, uh, more than 350 women coming to Madison, Wisconsin for the United States Women's Disc Golf Championships, the women's only major. And that's pretty exciting for sure. And speaking of which, thank you for reminding me because I forgot to do it today. Last night, I saw that they released the spectator tickets. Yes. So you can go out to the Facebook page and it'll point you right to the disc golf scene page, I believe, which has the tickets. It confused me at first because it was asking me my division. Um, and then I was like, that's strange, but it's actually, I think just a standard where they put different areas in for your division, mm-hmm. um, different days you can buy. I think a one day pass for most of the week is 15. The week long is 50. Uh, I think there's a, maybe it's 25 or 30 just for the final day. You, you can go out there and look at the US WDGC spectator option. Um, I, I saw there was a handful of people already registered. Yeah, they were uh, jumping on it immediately. When I originally saw it, it had just like two people that had grabbed tickets. Mm-hmm. And now I go out there and holy cow, there's exactly, as of right now, there's exactly 100 people that have grabbed tickets. Uh, so that is really cool to see. And then, like you were just mentioning, you can break it out for the week-long general admission or if you want to get a specific day and can only help out or attend on, or I'm sorry, if you can uh, only can attend on a specific day, you can order those tickets. And I do know as well in talking to a few people that uh, they're continuing to still look for some helpers, volunteers, uh, people that might be interested. Um, If you go out to the website, you can find that information as well. I might sign Um, up for the week-long one. I might get the week-long that's uh, a Take good it. way to do it. Um, in fact, as we're talking about, it, I'm going to try and just go ahead and throw it right into the chat here on YouTube. So that's another thing I'll try to remember to do a little bit later. Let's put it out there for you guys. Terry, let's wrap this up and get into our after show. Oh my gosh. We have so much. Do we? I don't know no, what we probably have. Probably not. Either way, we're going to get at it. So uh, we'd like to thank, uh, of course, David Wiggins Jr., joining us a little bit earlier to give us all of the exciting new uh, updates and info about his continued disc golf career. And uh, I think disc golf, he, he's such a, he's a kind soul, but also is a uh, very respectable, well-mannered. And I think of him as a kid and he's now to watch kid. him grow up <laughs> to be this, uh, this uh, very driven adult. I'm excited to see what's in the future and excited for him to find himself back in a competitive uh, stance against some of our best players in the world and throwing some pretty ridiculous bombs. And every can be like, what, huh? This, Oh, his name's on my disc. Oh, okay. I knew that looked familiar. So uh, thank you to David Wiggins. Uh, and of course, thank you to Michael and Liz for joining us to give us the updates. We wish nothing but the best for Jake down there in Kansas city and uh, to anyone else involved uh, with all of that. We wish everybody a speedy recovery and whatever that means for you on a personal level for Johnny V and myself, Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. This has been Smashbox TV's episode 405. We're going to take a quick commercial break or non-commercial break. We'll come right back. We'll have the after show. We'll talk about some silly nonsense of what's going on in the disc golf community and beyond. We'll see you then. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. 
If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 